space, final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And today we're talking about, we've got another Barclay episode. We're working our way through the Barclays. This one, we haven't even got an excuse for this one. This isn't even a holodeck one, is it? Um, so we're, we're, no, we're just sticking it's... with Barclay. That's his I, only I, excuse. Like, I've watched this twice this week, like, ready for this. And I can see why it's not one of the episodes that I go back to. Yeah, it's it, both of it, them this week. Uh, I'm not, you know, that there are right, there are yeah, right episodes, but we haven't got any classics you're okay, this week. But neither of them. Uh, uh, oh, I want to watch some Star Trek. I know I'll watch this. Yeah, and, and neither of these two episodes would jump to the top at list. No, definitely not. And the other one being Sanctuary that we're looking at from Deep Space yeah, Nine, but. Like, um, out, like this one with Barclay. Yeah. I was thinking it's, it's I don't know who wrote it. I should have looked at if the right if it's a different writer than normal. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like the third right, we've got Dwight Schultz is uh, gonna guest on another episode. He'll said he'll guest another episode. So oh well he has um they've obviously seen some about the holodecks. Yeah. But he has and sort of put his holodeck addiction to oh He's got phobia about the future technology. Yeah, it's like I can sort of see why that my take on this episode is that I think the entire episode was built around that special effect where they beam in and you see the inside of the transporter beam. I feel like so, yeah. someone said we've been beaming people for six years on TNG, three years in original series, five movies, whatever, we want to show what it actually looks like when you're being beamed. And they've gone, right, how do we get an episode out of that? And then they've cobbled this together to kind of do that. And then I suppose the thing is you get, well, who, who could be scared of beaming? We've seen all the main crew beam here, there and everywhere. So you either have a a one-off, one-episode character that you never see again, or you use a guest star, so they've gone with Barclay. We know he's got social anxiety, so maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe he's scared of But I agree with you. Like, I think it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, uh, like, I was thinking about this, like, we have, like, with Chief O'Brien is in this a lot as well. Yeah. And Chief O'Brien is Chief O'Brien because he never went through the academy. Mm-hmm. But Barclay is is a junior lieutenant because he's gone through all the academy. He has an, so he's obviously got evaluations yeah. on a regular basis. He's gone through that. How the hell is he passed a single psych evaluation? <laughs> it's true. And all that. He's scared of everything. Yeah. He's addicted to holodecks. Yeah. It, it, he's got social anxiety. It just doesn't... And we've already... Like, Next Generation establishes that because we see it with Wesley, when Wesley's applying mm. for the academy, that it's only, like, the fraction of a percent of the best yeah, that true. get into the academy. And it's all like, how would this guy be classed as a fraction of the best? It's true, unless he's just really, really good at what he does. But 
And, and you know, he is capable in the episodes we see him in, yeah. but um, not not sort of best of the best. And that just reminded me, you're talking about Wesley getting in the academy. There's that episode where he does that test and they're like, oh, this is the test where you face your biggest fear. So for Barkley, yeah. with that transporting, with that the whole test, like, right, we're going to beam you down. That's it. Well, well, it could be anything because, like, it, it comes across that he's got fears about all sorts yeah, and all he, that. He's, in scared, the end. he's got all sorts of anxieties. He's scared of people, and, women in particular, yeah. the real world, transporters, he, spiders by the end of the where, episode. Where sadly <laughs> doesn't seem like the ideal place to want to spend a career if you have problems with authority figures. Very true. Very Especially when you're not... I know that because... It's a military. Yeah. However you look at it, it, it's it's not a very functional military by the time of next generation, but it's still a yeah, military. It's still got the command structure. And, um, yeah, yeah. It, it, Barclay's not on the command path, so he's always going to have someone in a position of authority above him. Uh, just going back to what you said about the writer, I've looked it up, and it's actually Brannon Braga, who obviously is right. one of the, the more prolific... Um, yeah. Writers, so we can't we can't blame it on on an inexperienced writer either. Yeah, like maybe it should it was just meant to be a random crew member. Maybe so. Um, maybe and... Dwight Schultz. Maybe Dwight Schultz agent went. Um, Dwight's available for an I episode this it's... season if you want to. Yeah, it's probably one of them where it was a case of when he his schedule was open. They had to try and fit a Barclay episode in because just talking about it sort of structurally where it fits in the season, this is literally we've had Times Arrow Part Two. And then this is this your is first episode two. Yeah, so it so it's your first regular episode after the resolution of the cliffhanger yeah. and it's a it's a weird one. It's a it's a guest star focused episode instead of one of the main crew, so it and it is, you know, we're, we're sort of dancing around it, but it, it's an insubstantial episode. There's not much yeah. to it at all. Um, so, yeah, let, we'll have a bit of a closer look at it, though. So we get the, the USS um, Yosemite, Yosemite, um, and that's... Yosemite. Yosemite, and that's observing a, a plasma streamer. And yeah, there's this and thing... A birth, and a birth class, which... We saw in a uh, wolf of Ca- search wolf for Spock. Man, in, uh, search for Spock. That's the first time, yeah. They're... So it's a t- it's a TOS era ship, a, and even then uh, it was a small science vessel. If, vessel, the Constitution class was massive compared to it. True. If they built a ship for the movies, they were going to use them in next gen. That's why we get lots of Excelsior class ships, lots of Earth class ships. What? Well, we're still in we're still in the era that um, it was all uh, physical models. Yeah, exactly. So if you've got it, you need like, to use they, it. Like they did actually, Next Generation um, back in '86 when they were still look, working on sort of post production, pre production. Yeah, they did look at doing it in CGI. Did they? And, yeah. And uh, if you search the internet, you can see the CGI footage oh, from right. the beginning. Uh, but. It was very good CGI for the 80s. Yeah. But they decided not to go with it because the technology wasn't good enough. Well, that's it. I mean, you only have to look at Babylon 5. I mean, I love Babylon 5, but the effects, uh, they were bad even oh, at the time. You know, and... Yeah, the 
Yeah, they outdated almost as yeah. before it was shown. It was just a case of the CGI was not good enough to do <coughs> what, what they wanted to do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I'm glad yeah, they used uh, Obviously, models. the decision was made that they'd go with physical models for the next gen, and then you get the expensive physical models. Exactly. So, yeah, you're going to get a birth classes and you're going to get Excelsior, which is why, like, in um, Best of Both Worlds, the best that they sent to what? War three five nine was a birth classes and Excelsior's hundred yeah, years out of date ships to defend the, uh, Earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that are science ships anyway, so probably not a good idea to yeah. fight the Borg. But there we go. Um, so it ends up with this thing of we, we're going to bridge the transporters and we've got to beam everyone over one by one. And Barkley, like, I, I don't think it's Dwight Schultz's performance. It's he's doing what's being scripted for him. But as soon as it's like, you know, you've got to go on the transporter, all of a sudden it's, oh, and the music's like, da-da-da-da. And it's all yeah, very I don't, know, I don't know if you noticed, but um, Miles O'Brien is, has been saying all along, uh, every time he's beamed one, he's gone, uh, sinking transporters, buffers aligned, <laughs> yeah. energising. And then when it's uh, Barclay's turn, it's sinking transporters. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. Buffers aligned. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. Not helping. <laughs> it's all drawn out longer and longer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's another thing I wanted to say about this one is I feel like the reason, because O'Brien's pretty much like the second build character, really, in this. It's almost uh, yeah. he's the supporting act. And I wonder if that's a bit of, because at this point they knew he was going to DS9. So they're like, let's let's flesh him out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there was, there was with that. There was also um, like part of the reason he got the DS Nine part is because the fans really liked him. So they were trying to bring him in more. Yeah, and more exactly. Regularly, but he was still a part character. Like his first appearance, he's, he's been in it since um, Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, he's one but of he, the. He didn't have a he didn't have a name at that point. <laughs> No, and he was in the wrong colour shirt, and but you know, yeah. he was still there, that's the point. So Barkley basically has a panic attack, runs off, goes straight away to talk to Troy. She must get sick of Barkley turning up. And it it it's weird because it he's kind of like blaming himself for it, which is a bit odd because it's like, you know, you can't help it. If we accept that he's got this fear of Transporters, yeah, he might be in the wrong job, yeah. but it's not. It's not. Um, uh, yeah, he like, shouldn't be blaming uh, himself. Say goes, um, if you check my record, look at how many shuttle hours I've actually yeah. logged avoiding transporters. Which is a, it, it's a reasonable way of hand waving it, but it is a bit unbelievable. He must have had to beam at some point. You know, yeah, there's, there's no way he didn't. It's also, it's also beaming in a in a strange way here, isn't it? That they're not beaming normally. They have no, to the go one at a time. And yeah, that's very true. It's so, um, so it's, maybe if he's beaming down to a planet and there's a landing party of half a dozen of them, he's been okay with that sort maybe. of thing. But and it's it's a bit of bad luck, isn't it? Like you know, you've tried to avoid beaming as much as possible, and then when you finally do. It, you you happen to have this major issue going on in the transporters, you know, like Alanis Morissette could write a song about it. <laughs> so he's obviously he's talking to Troy, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm worried my career would be over." Like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Barkley. It, it does. 
that's like being in the navy and being afraid of swimming. It's yeah, it's, it is um, a deal. I don't think that's that, actually like. a real problem. Actually, being in the navy and being afraid being afraid of swimming. Yeah, it is if you boat. Because it's not actually. Yeah, but it's not something that the, that they generally no they generally so. have as a thing with the navy. They almost just like soldiers and modern ships are so, <coughs> like. Naval ships are so big anyway. True, yeah, you could probably probably never see the water if you were. Um, yeah. So Troy comes up with this plexing thing, and it it seems to work really well. Straight away, Barkley's like, yeah, that's done it. I've got me endorphin rush. I'm off. And I'm yeah. not sure, is this a real thing? Like, I'm doing it now. I, I don't think it... I don't think it does release endorphins. I don't... I don't know. No. Um, everybody, yeah. everybody who's listening, try try plexing and let us yeah. know if it try plexing if it releases if the endorphins and it's really good. Let us know. Uh, I'm not convinced, but anyway, because it makes you wonder. Like maybe that's really good for beta zeds because they've got like a like a G spot or something behind their ear. But humans yeah. are just like I don't know why she's recommending this. Um. So yeah, when he gets to the transporter room, then. It's he's gonna gonna beam over. So O'Brien's like, I know what I'll do to to pep him up a little bit. I'm gonna tell him about how scared of spiders I am, and I'll I'll tell him about <laughs> these big bloody Telerian hook spiders with half a meter long legs. And, like, I, yeah, I'm not sure that's gonna gonna really gym up O'Brien, but um, he's he's trying to be nice, you know. O'Brien's always apart from to Bashir in the early days, he's always nice to people. So yeah, he is. He's, he's sort of like well, he is man of the people, isn't he? He's yeah, he's the is, most important figure in Starfleet history. Well, yeah, exactly. And so we get the transporter point of view shot, which is very nice. I'm I'm not sure the way they show it works because. They show Barkley in the middle of the beam, sort of opening his mouth and moving and stuff, and it's like, no, at that point, you're pretty much just atoms, so... Uh, yeah, yeah and, you sort of deconstructed them, and put yeah, back together. Like, there's arguments that when you go through a transporter, you're killed, yeah. and then a copy of you is, is made. Yeah, and, yeah, that seems to make sense. I mean, it's an interesting one, though. Yeah, it's like... You dematerialise, so... Okay, so all my atoms are broken down yeah. and turned into an electric signal. Yeah. And then sent, like, a radio wave to somewhere else where that radio wave is turned back into some other atoms. Yeah. So, so did, where did... Yeah. Where did so, you go, sort of thing? Yeah. I, I mean, they seem uncommon in the Star Trek universe. I mean, like, there's that one... Uh, oh, it's one of the terrible season one episodes. Um, the one where Picard... That doesn't narrow it down. No, much. no, it doesn't. It's Lonely Among Us, maybe, or Home Soil. Oh. It's, and Picard gets turned into something in a cloud and he, he shows them where he is by making a P appear on the console. But in that one, yeah. he, he basically gets deconstructed into energy and comes back again. And he's still yeah. Picard, so I think we have to accept in the Star Trek universe that you can get dematerialized and rematerialized, and it's still you. Well, well, we have uh, Scotty survives in the transporter buffer for seventy-five years. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, we've had all the other accidents where you know two Vicks where we jumbled people up, or Kirk where we split him. 
Uh, it's yeah. no wonder Barkley's afraid, actually, all this stuff that happens. Um, so the dodgy music starts again when Barkley's going to beam back this time. So <laughs> we know that this isn't going to go right. And this is when he sees the weird worm thing. And then... Yeah, I'll go with worm. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with worm. And then he... To be fair, I nearly got really annoyed at this stage because Barkley sort of starts skirting around it with Geordie. Like, have you ever had a weird experience? Uh, but Geordie actually pushes it. So it shows that Geordie's got Barkley a bit better figured out now because he's like, right, Barkley's saying weird things. I need to find out what it is because otherwise it's going to end up being a disaster for the well, ship. We, we so. have- well, we have seen him in the nth degree where he gets taken over by <coughs> an alien presence. Yeah, exactly. So Jordy's obviously like, right, I'm not letting this one go. If he's if he's asking about weird experiences, I need to find out what's going on here. So they do go and check it out and everything, and there's this talk of, oh, it could be transport or psychosis, uh, but there's yeah, not been a case go, of that well, for 50 well, years. Well, there hasn't been, and it's sort of like, there hasn't been a case of that for 50 years since we did so-and-so's. So and so got invented. Okay, and then, and then uh, Jordy says there hasn't been a transporter accident, or there's only been two or three yeah, transporter yeah. accidents in the last ten years. Now, I think that we should look at just the next generation, and I bet there's more than oh, I bet uh, there three is. transporter episodes by the time of season six. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking straight away there's Riker's twin, but we don't find out about that until later in season six. So we, we can't really yeah. count that one so yet. We can't count that one. Um, but yeah, but that... I bet that we, I bet that we can find more than three episodes just on the Enterprise that yeah, got transporters. Something going wrong with <laughs> transporters. Yeah, I agree. Because it with is you. A, a popular. It is, I haven't it, checked, but I'd have either, to. But this is just one ship, so we've got a yeah. fleet of thousands of ships that have, have these sort of things yeah, exactly. going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm willing to bet you're right on that one. Um, there's a good scene where Barkley goes and gets the computer to tell him what the symptoms are. And, yeah, everyone talks about Star Trek predicting things like, you know, mobile phones and iPads and so on. This is absolutely what people do now. As soon as you get a symptom of anything, you Google it and you convince yourself that you've got this that, and the other. That. Particularly over the last year, when everybody's been, you know, rightly very yeah. concerned about health. But this is absolutely the, what I, people I'd do. I actually bet if um, if you if it's actually looked at this last year, mm. you'll probably find. That I know that we've had. If you take COVID out of the equation, that pe- apart from that, that people have actually been healthier because we haven't been mingling and passing. No, uh, yeah, each yeah, other. You, you're most likely right. Um, so I, I know that the I know that there's calls in America that they want to keep um, masks mandatory on the subway system. It wouldn't surprise me, and it, I've, I've been on American subway say, systems. That I've want gone to say all no year. I've not had cold and I've not had flu, and it's the first time ever. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thinking about it, I've not. I've not had. I mean, I've got a bit of hay fever now, but that that's. I've got hay fever, but I've not really but, had. Yeah, I've not had a cold or a flu. I normally ca- I normally get flu at some point, and I've not had flu this year. Yeah, really. I've. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? 
Yeah, and then you get Barkley sort of check. He does that thing as well, which again we all do when we read the internet. Is you read what the symptoms are and you go, oh, actually, my arm does feel a bit weird. And you know, Barkley's yeah. doing the same thing. He's like eyesight, so he's checking his eyes all the time. And <laughs> Data notices that he's doing it and everything. Um, then um, Troy relieves him of duty because he's he's pacing about and everything. And you get this bit where he's running this relaxation program, and it's just birds squawking. It, it's that. It's awful. Yeah, but I don't know if you've noticed the same. What do they call it? Is it ASMR? Oh, ASMR, yeah, or whatever it is. There's all sorts of these things, and there's like fall asleep listening to storms. We had a storm in last night. Bloody woke. I, I was trying to go to bed when it started. I couldn't bloody yeah, sleep. Yeah, there was no chance of sleeping through that. It were, I think that's the worst storm <laughs> I've ever seen. Weird thing. Oh, yeah, there's like... Weird things. They, yeah, he, there's, maybe finds bird, he maybe finds birds squawking. Maybe he does. Relaxing. Yeah, there's the bit in Toy Story 2 where they stitch Woody's arm back on. Apparently that's a, that's a really good one. I don't know. Um, so... Then he has this weird yeah. arm thing where it basically looks like his arm's beaming. Um, and this is when he goes to investigate and he he tries to blag O'Brien, like, oh, you've got to beam me back over, but O'Brien knows what's going on. So, again, this is what I mean about, I think this is where they're developing O'Brien a little bit. He's, he's actually getting a bit more interaction rather than just standing there and pressing the buttons. They're, they're doing something with him. And yeah. He sees the worm again, and I like the next bit because it is showing that Barkley's developing because he goes to the senior staff and he's like, right, I'm not going mad. I've seen this thing. We need to look into it, and he's got the confidence to do that rather than either yeah, think that I it's all his fault like, or to lie about it. Lead up that Troyer's Troy has remo- uh, removed him from duty. Yeah. Because after the end the- They've actually done it straight away here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like last time you took over at ship. <laughs> you're on the you're on the watch list, Barkley. We're not taking any chances. Um, so it starts wrapping yeah. up really from this. But they've point. obviously learnt the lesson. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it does start wrapping up pretty quickly. Like they they realise something's happening, and. It, the whatever's happened to the the Yosemite's affecting the Enterprise, and they try and recreate the accident and they discover that there's there's life forms. Yeah, like in we it. have that, we have that. <coughs> yeah, well, we have that weird one in uh, sick bay, don't we? Where Chris mm. is uh, examining one of the dead bodies that they found. Yeah, which is what's going on here. Like he's got a heartbeat. Stops again. He's breathing. Yeah. Stops again. He's got brain waves. Stops. Yeah, because that guy did not look in good shape. But um... Crusher can't find what it is again. Like, well, can't yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, Crusher can only find out what it is when it's a Crusher episode. <laughs> you know, if it's not your episode, you're not going to solve the, yeah. the problem. Um, so they come up with this really long-winded. What we're going to do is we're going to extract the microbes and it's going to work like a filter and it's going to do this and it's going to do that and it's really over-the-top technobabble. It's 
it's one of them where when you're watching it and you think, yeah, I, I ain't got a clue what they're talking <laughs> about now. Like, usually, even though it's all made up technology and stuff, usually you can sort of go, all right, yeah, all right. You know, I can kind of see where they're going with this, but this one just goes off on one, like, we, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to put the baryon sweep and the filter and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but ultimately, Barkley beams again, that while they're trying to do this, he grabs one of the worms and it turns out that it's the missing crew members from the Yosemite. And I like how they call security. So they're like, oh, something else is coming through with him. Get security. Worf turns up. So let's go into Worf's point of view for a minute. So Worf gets the call. There's potential intruder in sickbay. You need to come down. He struts down. He's ready for a rook. First thing is, Barkley goes, you need to go in and grab the worms and pull them back with you. And Wolf goes, all right, and just jumps in. And he, <laughs> yeah. He goes, what? What's going He's on? like, okay, I know what to do. Yeah, got it. <laughs> and he goes in and, yeah. So I thought he he bought into that pretty quickly, did Wolf there. But it's lucky he does because, you know, they, they managed to save well, everybody. I, I think I I think that um, Starfleet uh, crew members are taught that at 40 minutes, yeah. whatever you're told to do, go with it because it's how you're getting yeah. out of this. That's it. We're wrapping up the episode now. We've <laughs> we've front-loaded this episode with too much technobabble, so we've only got five minutes to wrap it up, and that yeah. includes the credits. So, so. Whatever you're to- so Staff- <clears throat> at Staffling Academy, you're taught at 40 minutes, whatever you're yeah. told to do, do it because that's how you'll get out of it. Yeah, and also it's... If it's if it's a guest character, so if it's someone that you only see once or twice a year, they're going to be really important when you see them. So you need to do whatever they tell you. Cause they, they, you're, this is not a Wharf episode. This is a Barkley episode. So you do what Barkley yeah. tells you. Yeah. And then we get a final scene with O'Brien where we, you know, we meet O'Brien's pet tarantula. Never see that again in DS9, and it no, it's it's never mentioned again. It, yeah, it? <laughs> it feels like one of those things that they're putting in for the DS9 writers to pick up on. Like, oh look, we've given O'Brien a pet tarantula, and DS9 have obviously gone. Yeah, we're not having him have a tarantula. Just forget about that. Yeah, yeah. cheers for that next gen. Well, yeah, yeah. I, well, I think it is something that they do do, isn't it? That yeah, they do. Uh, they do load up characters and and that. And we've talked about this with others with other shows, and you see early on things yeah. that are never mentioned again. Yeah, yeah. And it's obviously you load them up with all sorts, and then you go with what works. Exactly, and you know we this is this is something we're a lot more used to now. Like with um, with all those like connected universes, and you know, your Marvel and your DC and everything. So we do this now where we have minor characters and we give lots and lots of stuff about them because in the back of our mind, we've got, we're probably going to make a film or a TV show about them one day. So yeah, let's get all the pieces lined up. And I think that's what they're kind of doing with this one. Um, but And then obviously, because it's Barclay, it develops a fear of spiders from this point, which... That'll be interesting when we look at the next Barclay episode, which is Genesis. We've already done Ship in a Bottle, so we're we're skipping that yeah. one. 
So, Genesis, let's bear in mind Barkley's scared of spiders and see how that plays out for him in the next episode. <laughs> um, but we'll we'll look at that next week. So, moving on to DS9, then, the next in the prelude to the Dominion War. We've already had the Dominion mentioned once, and this time, I suppose, what we're getting with this one is the implication, as if the name The Dominion wasn't enough, but this is the first implication that there's something sinister about them. Because in the in the first one, they could have just been a, a trading conglomerate, they could have been the, yeah. the Gamma Quadrant version of the Ferengi, but this one, no, the, the Dominion are definitely... Definitely more than that is what we find out in this episode. Um, so let's let's have a look at this one then. So Kira's been a bit bit slack. She's late with the reports and everything because she's worried about the irrigation on Bajor, which is fairly typical of early early DS Nine Major Kira. There's always something going off on Bajor that she needs to be. Needs to be worried about, and obviously the um, whole... I wouldn't even say it's just early, early Kira, because this yeah. guy's on for quite... She gets involved in stuff... You know what? I you, think probably through... You're right, but it's not piddly stuff like irrigation. It's wars and terrorists and stuff yeah. like that later on. Yeah. Um, stuff like trade disputes and... Borders of rivers and irrigation is is, is it's good because yeah. it's it's things that a world that had been through what Bajor had been through would be dealing with, and it it it's good when DS9 yeah. does touch on I, it. What I do, what I do find odd about this is the Federation wants uh, Bajor to join the Federation and mm-hmm. to work towards them getting there. But what aid is the Federation actually giving Bajor? It's a good question. Yeah. It's the not helping with the irrigation. I almost, get the, I almost get the impression that they're not actually giving them aid. They're, they're very much following almost the prime directive of non-interference. But why? Because do you, I think like I think they are at this stage. Because the, the, the reason nominally that the Federation's on DS9 is because Bajor effectively can't run it like they need someone to come in and administer it but the federation's not in charge so kind of cisco's there to kind of arbitrate stuff but yeah um yeah but you like okay the federation's there to arbitrate arbitrate stuff but cap the Federation don't appear to actually be sending aid to Bajor. No, surely they've, they've got they've got they've got famines and yeah, surely they'd be able to fix the irrigation. The, the land is still ruined. Like we see it in later episodes in Chicago where they talk about the reclamators. Yeah, yeah. And there's only a couple of them. Can't the Federation give them You'd some have more rec- so, repl- yeah. reclamators um, to? help get all of the planet so it can and grow again. You know what? Like, yeah, if the if the land's barren and stuff, what you could do is you could beam everybody up, fire the Genesis torpedo at it, that'll redo yeah. the whole planet for you, then beam everybody back <coughs> down again, it'd be fine. Uh, except it, it'd yeah. blow up because of the proto matter. But, you know, just thinking out... But we do, we do see that. They do terraforming on a regular basis. Yeah, exactly. 
and that's and it. I just get the impression that I think they the, actually not the they're letting Bejo do it themselves and not giving them Aiden. No, but I think part of that's probably that the Bajorans have um, have asked for that because they are a very sort of proud people. For anyone watching on the live stream, you can see me trying to fix my pop filter that's just dropped off. But um, anyway, there we go. <laughs> so, yeah, then Kira gets called down to Quarks then. And you've got this Bajoran harp player. And it's, I, I'm with Quark on this one. I'd, I'd be pretty annoyed if yeah, this guy it, were it, there. He's, pl he's playing... Um... He's almost playing the theme tune to DS9, which I thought was pretty cool. That is on DS9, so he's playing the theme tune. Yeah, yeah, very sort of meta-textual joke, yeah. And I'll... <laughs> but what yeah, this... I, I'm with you on this. I, Quark has a good point here. Yeah, exactly, if he's eating into the profits. I mean, what, what it reminds me of is... Um, my dad told me a story of a, a pub that he used to go to... And they used to have um, a jukebox on it with all actual L LPs in it. So yeah. we're showing his age now. There's probably not many people listening who'll remember LPs. Or, um... But anyway, so what they used to do is they found this track, and I think it was, he said it was a B-side. I think it was like a Rolling Stones B-side or something. And there was something about the tune of it and it just put everybody off the drinks. So him and, <laughs> him and his mates used to do it for a laugh. And they'd go put it on and just watch everyone. And everybody just put the beer down. And that's kind of what's going on here with Quark. And this harp player, It's nobody wants to drink because they're all that chilled out. Yeah, and, yeah they're chilled out and they enjoy watching it. And, and that, like the bar's absolutely packed it. But you can see Quark's point. No one's gambling, no one's drinking, exactly. no one's eating, they're just listening to this guy. And I like that um, Quark tells us at this point that he monitors his gross profit hourly. Like, <laughs> it's not just <laughs> daily no, or weekly, monthly. It's like, no. No, to me, that's how, that does sound like a very Ferengi thing to be doing. Well, that's be, it. Uh, monitoring hourly trends. And the <laughs> thing is, he says gross profit as well. So I bet what he does is, if takings are down, I bet he reduces everybody's hourly wage to compensate for it <laughs> so that his net profit doesn't suffer as much. And this Bajoran singer guy, uh, harp player, I'll be honest, he gets on my nerves a bit as this episode goes on because, first of all, he's kind of hustling Kira like, come on, will you have a word with the government and get this... Basically, he wants this festival thing putting on. But he's badgering Kira well, he about to, it. He wants, he wants them to rebuild, like, the theatre that he used to play in. He does, but it's like she's doing her best, son. You know, she's got she's got more important things to worry about than whether you get your next gig lined up or not. Um, but anyway, she gets saved from him by the ship coming through the wormhole. And we get this alien race. Now, I'm conflicted with this in a number of ways, but they have to be one of the least aesthetically pleasing aliens we've ever had on Star Trek. Like, they look like they've got 
some sort of skin condition that's and Quark even says about them being flaky and Quark stuff later on. The flaky all over the place. <laughs> so they are very off-putting to look at, and I'm not sure whether that detracts from the point the episode's trying to make because throughout this episode, we get several things where people are stereotyping them, and th- there's obviously and what. An analogy here to asylum seekers or refugees. Yeah, and but I, like I was thinking about this, what rewatching this, and we meant to feel really sorry for them and sympathise with them, and think they had done by. But if you look at it from very early on and all that, when they're walking through the promenade on the way to sick bay, yeah, they stop at that shop and they start taking stuff. This is what I was going to say. It's, like, it's obviously a shop, and at this point, they can't understand the communication, but they're used to following what a woman says is being yeah. in charge. And Kira is taking the objects off them and putting them back down, yeah. and they're just grabbing them again. It's like, well, well, even if you can't understand the language, you can understand that you're not allowed this. Exactly. And yet you're still trying to take it. This is what I was going to say, because it now I'm not, speaking for everyone in the world or anything, but there is a stereotype among a certain demographic who can be very negative towards immigrants or asylum seekers, refugees, and they quite often use very negative language and ascribe negative stereotypes to them. And they'll say things like, they're dirty, they smell, they steal things. And you can see people saying the things about these aliens in this episode. And for that for that allegory to work, we would have to be shown that they are not those things and that it's just yeah. people's prejudices. But as you said, they they demonstrably do those things and are those things. So Yeah, yeah they the, the are they are physically taking things. Yeah. That even though, like, as I say, even though the, the universal communicator isn't working at this point, so they can't understand the language, it's quite obvious Kira is taking these yeah. things back off them and putting them where they should be. And it's not that they do it once, they keep repeatedly doing it exactly. until, like, and their sort of uh, matriarchal figure shouts yeah. at them. So the, instead of subverting these negative stereotypes the way this episode portrays this race is conforming to the negative stereotype which yeah i i'd like to think that's not the message that they were trying to go for but it's hard to read it any other way when they have them act the way they do it's very strange yeah i i'm out like i was left at the end of this and i don't feel sorry for them at all no i don't I think they are really like. I think they are really ungrateful people. That is and the I way it comes across. People. And 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 they actually almost as if they think that they're entitled to what they want. That is regardless of what anyone else. Yeah, that that is the way it all comes across. Which is, as I say, I don't. Feel I'm sure that's like... not what was meant to come across. No. but that's how it has come across. And it, and it does. And as I say, it's reinforced with the way they make them look really unappealing. And it, yeah. so it's what story are you trying to tell? Are you trying to tell 
a story and give us the message that we shouldn't have negative stereotypes about refugees? Or are you saying, oh, look at these refugees, they're exactly what all the negative stereotypes say they are, yeah. which that's very much not a Star Trek message. And it, no, it but isn't. It, uh, like, I, I think it's actually, I think the, the, this episode is meant, to sh- is meant to show that you shouldn't be giving them negative episodes. Yeah. But negative opinions to refugees, but I actually think the re- the episode is badly done. Yeah, exactly because the but it, it's badly put <coughs> together. It's... Yeah, the the negative attitudes are from what purely from what we see in this episode, pretty much justified. You know, there's a couple of instances where you know it's maybe taken a little bit too far. Quacks, maybe a little bit too judgmental, a little bit too sneering about them. But that well, that's kind of Quark's character. Well, um, well, you expect that from Quark. Exactly, that's what I mean. If they're going in Quark's and they're not spending money, and we see at another point, we see, I can't remember his name, begins with T, Torjan, is it? Yes, something well, like that, yeah. They go, they've, they've been, by this point, they've been shown how replicators work yeah. and they can get food, no problem. And yet he's waiting for someone to leave the table and starts eating the leftovers. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot of it doesn't make sense. Like you say, I think that's the thing, I think. And even Nog even <coughs> Nog at that point, comments he goes, Don't they know about what replicators are for? And they've been shown the replicators. Exactly. It's really, really weird. And I and again, things like the scene where you get Kira brings her that dress and Kira thinks that she wanted this dress because at the time the Universal Translator wasn't working, uh, and then she gets and her she the dress. she started pointing to it in the shop. And... Exactly. Uh, and then Kira takes her it, and again, you get this thing where she's just like, oh, no, it's awful. And it's... It's awful. I was saying it was hideous. It's sort of like, hold on. At the time, you knew that we couldn't understand each other. Yeah. So you stopped at a shop. To ridicule what they were selling. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit. Yeah, and, that's and quite rude. You're you doing it to uh, the rest of your clan who can understand you. Yeah, who were busy trying to steal things from the same shop. <laughs> that's true, actually. They really didn't like that shopkeeper. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd not thought of it quite no, that way. But it's so like. But I, I think the purpose of this scene seems to be to to establish that there's a bond between Hanik and Kira. But I, I just don't buy it. Like, I, I don't feel like they have bonded. No, and it's like, 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 no, and it's like I say how I look at it. It's like, hold on, when no one could understand you, you stopped at a shop to ridicule the, what they were selling. Yeah. Well, you two, you two, uh, two of your men were busy trying to steal from the place. Yeah, yeah. And what were the... you doing, running distraction for them? <laughs> yes. Uh, there's some good stuff with Nog though. Um, just well... <laughs> in, in the B plot, so you get the first mention of Jake dating a Dabo girl, which does play out. Um, I think all the way into season three that um, <laughs> the Martin the Dabo girl yeah. plays out. And you get a good line from Nog where he says, yeah, "Oh, this is this is very weird though because, like, how old is Jake in this same? Um, oh, he's, what was he about ten when they came to DS Nine? Yeah, he's, he's too young to so be he's dead, probably you know? only eleven, maybe twelve. 
Yeah, he's too young to be dating a dabbo girl. Eleven or twelve, and he's and he's yeah. And you know, to like, be fair to okay, them, fair, in, fair, fair enough. Fair, things are maybe more enlightened in the future, but that yeah. still seems very dodgy. Uh, yeah, Matt and the dabbo girl would probably get me tooed now if it was yeah you know, <laughs> if she yeah. lived in the twenty first century. Um, but you know, Cisco does have issues with it further down the line, and I think. I think by the time we actually see him with Marta, Siroc Lofton had grown enough that it, it didn't look icky. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, it is a bit icky. So yeah, we could... well, Siroc Lofton is quite a tall guy. Oh, very much so, and he, yeah. He actually, he, but he, he grew tall yeah. very quickly. Yeah, he shot up. Um, and yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, we'll leave that there with the Dabo girl. But um, Nog has a really good line where Jake says, oh, she studies bugs, and he says, what, she wants to be a chef? <laughs> yeah, I think that's brilliant. I mean, that's a really good line. And Nog gets another good bit where he's in um, Odo's office and he's looking at the wanted boards, and he reads one out and he tricks ticks a plick or something. And yeah. <laughs> that sounds like... It sounds like it'd be out of the Hitchhiker's um, Guide the, to the Galaxy or something. No, it sounds like um, the ninth dimensional being from uh, that Superman's enemy. Yes, yes, you're right. Is it mixed particular process? So, something like that, yeah. And, yeah, this is when we get the stuff with um, well, with Quark and everything, which I like covered. it when uh, Nog's asking about him and he's going on about... Um, and he almost drops Quark yes. about dealing weapons. <laughs> yeah, why, why would Quark know about dealing weapons? So, yeah, there's some really great stuff. They have a bit about why is his dad not picking him up? And the answer is because we didn't want to pay Max Groden chick for this episode, so Quark's doing it. But but yeah. the, there's a reason well, given. It's, it's, do, it's doing the <laughs> stop count, and I don't like to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then... Bajoran musician guy, again, I don't like this guy. So he turns up and he goes, Hey, do you want a recording of me? Like, no. Yeah, here you, here, this is my gift to you. Yeah, it's it's a little video of me playing at the, the, the big hall, which, you know, Kira, why haven't you got that sorted out yet? I know you're dealing with a refugee yeah. crisis, but, you know, <laughs> and he gives a little bit of a thing. They're trying to sort of link it to Bajor. Oh, we know what it's like to be displaced and everything. And this is where we get into the thing of what planet are they going to go to. So Cisco's found this planet, but Hanique's decided. Yeah, well, that... I I think this is I think this is great. Like we've got three million refugees coming from the Gamma Quadrant, mm. and the Federation have gone out of the way and they've found somewhere. I'm ass- I'm assuming it isn't a long way from the wormhole. Yeah, because we know that a lot of the ships are damaged and they're not great. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's in quite easy travelling distance. And they found them a home that they can have, a planet, they can have this planet, and they don't want it. Yeah, they've, they have landed on the feet here, really. But, yeah, they say, no, Be- yeah. Bejor's our home, so we've looked at it, and it's a planet of sorrow, and that's our, that's our prophecy. And I wonder if, to an extent what they're trying to mirror here, and it might just be because it's in the news at the minute so much, but um, are we sort of looking at the Arab-Israeli conflict a little bit here? Is that what this is trying to mirror? Like, well, 
Probably because <coughs> probably because the Americans have been involved in that. Yeah, so I mean that, since the seventies. Exactly. So I, I just wonder if we're maybe that's what we're angling toward here. But like we've already said, yeah. it's it's so poorly executed in this episode that I'm glad. Yeah, they don't like, really draw it any clearer than that because that's such like, a. We're, we're meant we're meant to feel sorry for this alien race mm. that have been trying to steal the. We we see them scavenging food. Mm-hmm. We know we can see by the makeup that the flakes that they have flaky skin. And I don't know if you notice in some of the shots they've got more flakes on the on their yeah, skin. Yeah. Than others, so they obviously are losing, losing skin. Yeah, all which you know ways. we're not judging on that. If that's what happens with their no, species, but, fair but enough. They've, they've been they've been offered a planet. Yeah, and they've turned it down because they don't want that planet. They want your planet. And as yeah. I say, I'm glad that it doesn't lean too heavily into the Arab-Israeli conflict because. That's such a sensitive situation that if you were going to tell a story that alludes to that, it would need to be a much better script than this because this is so muddled in its in its politics, it, it in its is, morals. It, it, it's <laughs> obvious what we're meant to think about this yeah, episode. but nothing... But it's, bad, it's badly done. Yeah. It's got scenes in it that totally throw you from exactly. what they're obviously aiming for. It, yeah, and that's what's so weird about it. It's it it's almost like the the script is working on on a different thing to the director, and it, yeah. yeah, it's anyway. Um, so you, the musician bloke turns up, and he's like, "Oh, give them my condolences. They're not coming to Bajor." And we do find out that Bejar have turned it down. And this is kind of an interesting dilemma because you can completely see where the Bejarans are coming from. They're like, we, we have literally just come out of the occupation. We cannot support more people. And Hanik's argument, argument is, well, we will contribute and you don't have to look after us. But the Bejarans say, no, but we would, you know... If anything happens to yeah, you, uh, we, yeah. we will have an obligation yeah, to do going, that. Like, what if, what if uh, <laughs> the rains fail again next season and you don't have a crop? Yeah, and we and, and it's like you might not want to, might not be asking for us to help, but we won't be able to sit there and not help you. Exactly, and that makes perfect and sense. We can't afford to do that, and it, and it is a really hard decision for. For somebody to make, we want to help, but we literally are not in a position where we can. Yeah, and that... I'm sure if the federation, I'm sure if the federation had given some aid to Bajor, it actually helped refertilize the land. Yeah, it's true. Instead of leaving them to struggle for the last year and a bit. Yeah, it had probably, that, been probably a could have taken story. these people, no problem. Yeah, exactly. And so Kira goes to see Hanik again. And Hanik's giving it all this, oh, I feel like I've been betrayed. It's like, in what way? That you came here asking for us to help you. We've we've put you up. We've let you nick from the shops. We've given you free food, free everything. We've, all your ships are docked here. And we've uh, we've offered we, you a planet. Like, they haven't said, but we also know that 
from other episodes that when ships are docked there, that the Federation will do run repairs on them for free. Exactly. So, you know, I, I don't so really... So the ships are probably getting repaired. We've given you a planet. Yeah, but you've betrayed us because you won't give us your planet, which yeah. seems a bit... And then we get this bit tacked on where the little kid nicks a ship and we don't see any of this because... This DS Nine pulls this. We do. We see. We see it on a scanner. There's three dots. You're right. Then this won't be the last time DS Nine pulls this trick when it runs out of budget. (laughs) So we see a space battle. (laughs) Yeah, there's a few. Um, So we see a a space battle on a little scanner. Um, Yeah. Again, it's. I think we're meant to feel really feel the tragedy of this. You know, but again, it's hard not to think, right, that kid's been petulant. He's been told right, he, he cannot been... go there. They tell him numerous times to turn back, to stop. Yeah, but they tell him to stop, turn his engine off. He opens fire. Yeah, exactly. And, and we find out the Bajorans didn't even, the Bajorans didn't even fire his, his ship after no. that. They fired across his bow. Yeah. And it's just because the ship's that in that bad a state that it's exploded because it's caught it's caught a radiation so it's, leak. Yeah, it's it's really hard to feel too bad for him in this instance. I mean Yeah. Yeah, it you know, it's a tragedy well, that he, he has, gets killed, but like it was very preventable. He, he's there's he's been in a lot of the episode and there's nothing throughout the episode. To endear him to you. No, I mean, they, they like try... You've got to feel sorry for something bad happening to him. They try and do it a little bit where they have Jake talk to him. and But even then, he's like, no, we don't want to go to this other planet. And uh, yeah, I don't it, like your little like Ferengi Jake mate either. Like, Jake's trying to be friendly. Like, they've given, they've given you this planet... And I hear it's really good. I bet you're looking forward to it. And he goes, well, do you want to move there? Went, and it's like, well, no, but I'm not looking for it. Jake's yeah. not looking for it. Exactly, home. that's the thing. Jake has, a, Jake has a home. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not... Again, you could almost... You could almost think, is this sort of an allegory for... You know, you do get these situations where there are refugees and they end up being put up in really poor accommodation and you know morally that isn't right but that this is not the case here they're being offered no, a perfectly we, good we, planet with support yeah, to get it up and running that, we're being told that the planet is a lovely <laughs> planet and and it's the federation telling us and I'm going to believe the federation exactly so it it's on this one it's not like we're telling a story about Okay, you're offering him a horrible place to live. They're not. They're offering him a good place to live. Yeah, it's just we're not. A... We're not putting. You, we're not dumping you on City Alpha Five. No, exactly. And uh, going to leave you. And going to leave you there for how many years? Yeah. Without checking back on you after City Alpha Six blows up and knocks you out of orbit. Yeah. And turns you into a desert. Exactly. We actually, we're, le- we're putting you on a nice planet, and we're going to check back on you. Yeah. So it. It's, yeah, they just. They come across as really petulant in just about everything that yeah. goes on and ungrateful. And again, you get this final scene with Kira, and some of it's interesting. Like Kira does say she says, Would we have been a burden on you? And Kira says, Yes. And 
clearly Kira's not happy that that's the truth, but for the reasons we've talked about, it is the truth. And Hanik says, well, you've made a mistake because you know we're great farmers and we would have helped you. And there is a bit of poignancy to that because it's like, yeah, maybe they could have done, but it doesn't mean but, that Bajor's decision was wrong, that they had to make the decision no, they did. Like, okay, they're good farmers, but, like, we see it in a later episode of The Ace Line with Chicago, which is one mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, replicate. Rep, yeah. Rep, repli- not replicators. Uh, rep, rep, oh, I can't remember the Rotivators word. or something. But we're, yeah. And... The Bajorans are good farmers, but the land is infertile and needs recovering. And there's no evidence that these have the technology to do that. No, there isn't. We're great at growing (coughs) things on fertile soil. Yeah, but we haven't got they haven't got the fertile soil. It just doesn't land it. Like okay, let's if we got to remake this episode now, what you would do is you would have this race be sympathetic. Um, so basically, don't have them nicking, don't have them being ungrateful to everything, but... Yeah, what... don't have them mocking their, what's in the shops when no one else can understand. Exactly. Them. And then what you do is y- you you contrive it in such a way that it's Bajor or nothing. It's Bajor or they've got to go back to the Gamma Quadrant and face the Dominion. And then you can have Bajor making the same decision for the same reasons, but that really plays up the tragedy of it. And you can have, I can't believe we've had to say no to them, but we had to do it to protect ourselves, but we may have just sentenced them to death by them going back. And then you've got a really nice, morally grey dilemma that DS9 does so well, and you actually feel something about it, but this one... yeah. I yeah it I I hate it because I love DS9 yeah. but the, this yeah, is not a I, good episode it, of Deep Space really, Nine like I'm quite sure that the whole point of this is that we're meant to feel sorry for them yes I'm sure and yet how it's how how it's done it doesn't do that and the annoying thing is that DS9 is really good at doing these sorts exactly. of things. Exactly, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Generally. Like you say, I'm certain that when they broke this story in the writer's room, they said, let's tell a story about refugees and Bajor has to turn them away and the the moral implications of that. And, and I'm sure that was what was intended, but the way it's done just doesn't come off at all it's when i went back to this one i remembered not being the biggest fan of this episode and yeah it's it's reinforced that re-watching it it and i think to be honest we are just giving them the benefit of the doubt because we know how good ds9 usually is and we know generally where star trek stands on issues like this but there is nothing in this episode to suggest the reading that we're trying to trying to get at. We're trying to find a way for this episode to work and it really doesn't, which is a shame. Yeah, it it is a shame because it should, like, what, it's obvious what the episode should have been and and like you say, what was probably suggested in the writer's room and it's just done badly and like you said earlier, it makes you wonder if, like, 
the director just went in a different direction. Yeah, completely, to the yeah. Because and... the, the, I mean, the main thing is if you're trying to portray in a story that prejudice against refugees or itinerant people or whatever it is is wrong, you can't do that within the context of a story when you show them to be doing the exact things that they're being criticised for. Because with the exception of Quark, who maybe takes it a little bit too far, the things that they are accused of are true. So there's no discordance there that the reason that we should challenge people in the real world who say these things about immigrants or about refugees or about anybody, the reason we should challenge them is because the things they say are usually completely wrong. And if that was the the story this episode was telling, great. But it's not. And if they thought it was, they've dropped the ball major on this one. Yeah, it's but there it's we one go. of those that you'd like to actually ask, the, ask, be able to ask one of the writers yeah. what they were trying to what get What were you trying to do story. and why did it go wrong? <laughs> but there we go. Yeah. But we get a little, another little piece of the Dominion puzzle, so we'll pick that up again next week. So, so yeah, that does us for this week. Thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.